I wanted a conduit to reconnect the mind and body because the taboo and cultural issues that a lot of us are raised in, we disconnect from those muscles, which is a big part of why they atrophy. Hi, I'm Zoe. Hi, I'm Erica. Hey, Erica. This is our podcast. Well, what do we do on the podcast? Uh, we talk to wellness experts. Well, what do we talk about? Mm, wellness stuff. And why are we doing this? Because we want to have an inclusive conversation about things that you can actually use and apply to your life. Right. We don't think that wellness should feel preachy. We think it should feel like everybody can participate. That's right. So if you like what you hear, tell a friend. Give us five stars. They're all free. All of the above. All of the above. And think of us as your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Hello, class. Today, we're going to talk about something called the vagina. That conversation was really so informative. I feel like we have to do a little like disclaimer at the beginning of the show. Um, adults, if you have children or men next to you, you might want to fast forward through the icky parts because... We talk about the inner workings of the vagine. You might want to either sit them down and make them listen for educational purposes or prepare them that they're going to be skeeved out. Not skeeved. Not skeeved, but like they can't handle it. Men can't handle talking about this. They're just like, I don't want to see. I don't want to understand. And what's so unfortunate is that it would really benefit them to actually understand it. I, after we had this conversation with Dr. Stephanie Schull, who is the creator and founder of the Kegel Bell, Right after that, I... Kegel Bell. Kegel Bell. Sorry, Kegel Bell. She she did say you could pronounce it either way. I found myself talking to somebody at a, you know, dinner. And I was like, oh, I just learned about this cool thing today. And it was a guy. And his face just like morphed into this like picture of, I don't really know how to have a conversation about Kegels with a woman that I've just met. And so I'm going to change this... (laughs) I, I meant to point out that while we were having this conversation with her, that this also uh, pelvic floor men, you have one too, and men, it also gets weak, and you know things happen. Does it affect the prostate? I imagine it does. Well, listen, I will say in the context of prolapse, which we touch on a little bit, that is when your sort of organs descend, like your the organs that your pelvic floor muscle holds up. We're going to get into all this good stuff. Sometimes if that muscle gets too weak, they can actually descend like to the the, the opening and sometimes even beyond the right. vagina. Meaning beyond outside. the vagina. Vagina and beyond. Um, but for men, <laughs> they don't have a vagina, but they do have another hole. Wow. So you it just math. descends. You do the math. Interesting. Well, we'll leave it up to um, Stephanie to see if she can invent something for that. but. This Kegel Bell is pretty exciting and I'm super excited to uh, get ours and try them out because, I mean, she's got great statistics, right? Just about how many women have some type of impact on these muscles. And like what blew my mind was really just how quickly and easily you can change things. And it doesn't have to... like. We've all known we're supposed to be doing Kegels for as long as we've been aware of them. 10 years, 30 years, I don't know. I've done them maybe a total of like one time. This is a good refresher and kind of, uh, you know, it sort of affects everyone. I know as Americans, we're not used to approaching things from a preventative standpoint, but this is really all about prevention. Right. If you're going to prevent one thing, you might want to prevent yourself from peeing every time you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. 
<laughs> um, but Stephanie's cool and it was very fun and dynamic and lively conversation and we're happy to share it. And by the way, these are not bells that ring. This is not like a ding dong thing. <laughs> okay. okay. And now you can listen. <laughs> ding dong. It's my vagina. <laughs> Hey guys, so you may have figured out by now that Zoe and I are huge fans of functional mushrooms and that's because their benefits are legit from increasing focus and concentration to helping you sleep and probably most importantly, providing incredible support for your immune system. And yes, that is actual science. You can check it out on our blog at earthandstar.com. But who doesn't need a little bit of extra immune support right now, if we're being honest? But anyway, the most important thing for you to know, actually, is that you have to have these fabulous fungi in your system every day in order to reap the benefits. So Earth and Star our new brand is making it as easy as possible for you to get the amazing benefits of functional mushrooms every day. Like if you've got a serious cold brew habit, there's a can for that. If you love your afternoon matcha latte, then we've got you covered there. And if you're not like G-Love and you're not feeling the cold beverages, then how about a totally delicious dark chocolate bar that also helps you increase focus and concentration while satisfying your sweet tooth. And it pairs super well with red wine. So we at Earth and Star have created as many ways as possible to help you elevate your everyday routine because we are not asking you to add another pill or a powder to your very busy schedule of supplements. We just want it to be as easy and absolutely delicious as possible for you to get the mush love into your life. So check us out at earthandstar.com and get 15% off your first order with the code HTW. But we want to hear about you and all of this very interesting work that you're doing that the ladies need to talk about. So, right. Well... You know, my name, I'm putting the doctor in front of my name after that whole Jill Biden. Jill Biden can't use the word, you know, I'm going to say doctor for now on ad nauseum. Dr. Stephanie Shule is my name. Yes, it's a PhD. Still counts. Why? Well, it's a philosophy PhD and philosophy was first thousands of years ago. And we are the queen of the sciences. I love telling medical doctors this when I meet them. I'm like, yeah, we, we let you exist. Yeah, we, we created you. So, um, so, yeah, so that's my background is in philosophy. I was a philosophy professor for oh, 20 years and, um, and then switched to joining the fun of the world of business and entrepreneurship. And what, what kind of precipitated the switch? And what was your, what was the motivating factor? I think... Uh, many people relate to this. Always, I was curious about inventing things and being out in the business world. But academia was a place where I was successful. And every time I think about leaving, another thing would keep me there. Like, so, but um, what ended up happening was someone had a pelvic mesh surgery in my family. And that ended up leaving them with like crippling pain forever. Like they'll forever be in pain. I was like, what was that? Like, what happened? Why? And I realized they had bladder leakage, they said, and, and a bladder prolapse. And I'm like, how did I not know this? You know, you're in my family. How old were you at the time? Uh, the tender age of 43. Oh, so tender. <laughs> so innocent. <laughs> so young. Um, and, and I was like, wait a minute. 
how am I like a feminist philosopher just now discovering that it's muscle down there in the like vagina area, you know, and, and it needs to be strong. Otherwise we'll have things like bladder leakage, bladder prolapse, sexual dysfunction, and then the surgical responses are kind of, you know, hit and miss. What was the original, just because I, I feel like it's something that I've, you know, I'm familiar with the term and I feel like I've seen, you know, really my most, the highest familiarity I have with that pelvic or vaginal mesh surgery is like seeing terrible commercials about lawsuits and medical malpractice on like bad TV. Like if you've had a pelvic mesh, what, what is it? And also why does it seem to go wrong so fast or so yeah. often? Yeah, well, let me be generous and say, Sometimes it works really well with the right doctor, the right surgeon, and the right patient because some people claim that pelvic mesh helped. But we're finding out the reason why you see all the lawsuits is for a, a lot of women, it didn't work at all. And, and they had lots, even more problems. It didn't solve the original problem that they went there hoping for, which was like the organ descending or the leakage. But then it added problems. Okay, so back up. What is it? Okay, so... The pelvic floor, <laughs> let's, let's just think of it as the vagina and the environ of that whole region of the body. It's made of muscles and those muscles have to be toned and strong to do several things like hold back urine, hold back feces, hold back gas, um, squeeze for orgasm, uh, lubrication, which most people don't connect it with, and hold up the organs like the bladder and the uterus and the rectum. And so if those weaken and start to have problems or atrophy or just, you know, aren't strong. And so the proposal with mesh is let's install a piece of mesh that literally looks like a, a window screen and let's interrupt the hammock of muscles and install that to support because the muscles aren't supporting. Mm -hmm. and, and that was the idea. It came from like hernia surgery and some other things. They thought they could apply it to that part of the body. But as one OBGYN that I spoke with said, and his, his explanation was always really remarkable to me. He said, how did anyone think that was going to work? It's like installing a window screen into pudding. <laughs> what are you anchoring it into, people? You know? So the, the problem was this piece of plastic, which you cannot remove, by the way. This piece of plastic would slip, deteriorate, start to cut into the woman. But, you know... The authorities got involved when men started saying that it abraded their penis upon entry. But that only when only they had issues. That just the way it is. I have two women in my family who had that mesh. Really? Did it work? It did for a while. It did for a little bit, and then it didn't. And then it became a problem. And then it was like, oh shit, what are we going to do about this? There you uh, go. Oh shit, what are we going to do? Yeah, and I think they both. Uh, I think they both had it and they're like, like in maybe late fifties mm -hmm. surgery. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's shocking, right? It's just like, well, I think that's so funny that people only got involved once men said it was like hurting their penis. Oh, I screen that for you. I save screenshots, you know, love the FDA. Gotta have the FDA. They help keep us safe. They're wonderful. But on this one, you know, we can be a little critical. You know, we can do that on occasion, even with groups we admire. And, uh, and, and, and their website, when they talked about the warnings, you know, and the warnings are well known internationally about what can happen to women, but they only talked about the pain to men if they get 
abraded or cut. Accident, oversight, I don't know. It was just kind of interesting as an anthropological artifact of how our culture is addressing this. So, you know, it is what it is. And what can I do? You know, what, what can I do to get involved as a humble, you know, philosophy professor who is a feminist and got concerned to find out that women have these issues. We're not talking about it, which is how a 43-year-old woman didn't even know. And, um, and the solutions, because we're not talking about it, are piss poor. Mm-hmm. You know, in the darkness, <laughs> mushrooms grow, you know, as <laughs> that old saying goes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, because I think it's taboo and no one was really talking about it, there weren't fantastic solutions. Right. Now, I have to be, I mean, like, so can we just define for people who don't totally understand the pelvic floor? Because it is kind of complicated. It's this thing that you can't really, like, you can't see it. It's a muscle that's super hard to identify. Like, sometimes you go to a yoga class and they're like, engage your pelvic floor. And people are, like, making that, doing that sort of um, motion that would, that would sort of, like, stop urine, like, while they're peeing. Yeah. I think that's sort of like what it is to engage your pelvic floor and it's not really the full story, but like the pelvic floor, right? This harness that you're talking about and it kind of pulls things up in place, all of your organs. Uh-huh. When we talk about prolapse, right? So going yes. back to this mesh thing, like prolapse, which is very common with, with uh, pregnant oh, yeah. birth, that whole uh-huh. group of women. It's also common with people who've never had kids, right? Yes. And, and, and can we just like define prolapse? Because sure. it's fucking terrifying people, I have to say. This is probably one of the reasons why like I, like I have women in my family who have had it and like there was never any talk of it. There was never any mention. No one ever said like, hey, Zoe, like having a second baby, maybe you want to uh, be mindful of this or like, mm-hmm this could happen or maybe this is how you can prevent it. Like there's so much shame around it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yes. Let's, let's address everything you just raised. So whatever I say, I don't want to dissuade women from getting pregnant and having babies because if one strengthens the muscles and tones them, you can have as many babies as you want for the most part. Like just, just go for it. Just enjoy the experience of pregnancy, enjoy the delivery and just enjoy having kids. Don't, don't fear a lot of women actually fear laxity and looseness as well as prolapse and leakage. And they're like, I don't want kids or I want a C-section. It's like, we don't have to be afraid of it. I mean, I'm not going to deny that occasionally there can be a nightmare delivery that just, you know, is devastating to the body, but those are outlier cases. Like the garden variety delivery, you know, if you work on toning the muscles before and after, you'll be okay. So when you mention like, what is that stuff we're talking about. Let's take a big step back. So, uh, you know, that part of the body, the genital region, the, the, it's like a hammock of muscles that goes from like the vagina to the anus. And it's this intricate architecture of muscles that are really essential to holding those organs up as well as, you know, those other things we talked about with incontinence and sexual function. And you say that The idea of organ prolapse is terrifying, and it is, but let's put some numbers on it. Well, actually, the numbers are pretty huge in that 75% of women will have some degree of a slippage of one or more organs. So we measure the slippage of bladder, uterus, and rectum like degrees as how, how far they've fallen, right? And yes, they can fall all the way out of the body. 
But don't get scared. That happens to not that many women. What's more common, 75% of women have a little bit of slippage, right? And, and that's just representing that the muscles aren't there to hold it up. And, and so women can reverse that. If they're in the early stages, they can reverse it with exercise. So the, the moral of the story is don't be afraid. It happens to almost all of us. We're just not aware because it's hidden. It's like a cult. It's up inside of our body. But if you start exercising, you can halt the progress of that and treat it and send it you know, back to where it needs to be. Uh, the problem is we're not really aware that our organs are descending and, and kind of until it's too late. Mm-hmm because we're not really aware until it starts to peak out, you know, at the introitus or, you know, where the hymen, you know, we think of the hymen as being at the entrance. Once it peaks out, then we're like, what is this? Why do I feel this fullness? Or what is this object inside? And that's a little too late to do anything about it from a prevention or treatment perspective. That's where like surgical responses. But so I would say, yes, we all need to be aware of prolapse. And I'm glad you asked about that because there's almost no conversation and no way to talk to potential customers because they're only aware once it's too late. And I really need to figure out a way, like how can we raise an awareness without scaring people to death so that they can like treat it ahead of time? Because it breaks my heart when women are like, I have stage three prolapse, it's outside my body. Can I use your product? And I'm like, no. I wish I had gotten to you earlier. Right. You know, it's like, no. So, you know, that that's heartbreaking. And that's part of why I want to get this out as quickly as possible because time's ticking for a lot of women. Yeah. And we need to make sure that they get, a, you know, the help they need. So when you, when you refer to exercise that they can do, mm-hmm. um, I mean, obviously we're here to talk specifically about your method and your product, which I want to get to, but is that... Is that, is that exactly what it is or is our Kegels yeah. like, is, is I mean, it's all in the same realm, yeah. right? But yeah. that is. Like, as was mentioned, when your Pilates instructor, or your yoga instructor says, you know, lift up the pelvic muscles and we're all kind of wondering what they mean. Or your OBG or your urologist say, do your Kegels and they describe it. You know, absolutely right in that we don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, we give the cue of, you know, the muscles that you activate if you want to stop urine flow, but we're really clueless. And the medical research bears that out in that um, seven, and the number keeps on coming up. 75% of women are, upon hearing how to do Kegel exercise, fail to do it either correctly or often enough. So part of the problem is correct form, i.e. targeting the right muscles. And so because we kind of have a pedestrian understanding of the pelvic floor, the women in that yoga class that you speak of are probably tightening their abdominals, their thighs or their buttocks, and they're not really targeting those pelvic muscles. And, And we know that from research. And even if they do get it right, they won't do it the three times a day, every day that doctors recommend. So yes, Kegel, you can Kegel for free. Kegel, Kegel, however you want to say it, for free. And it gets great results if you do it right and often enough. Absolutely. And so, you know, we like to support that. We have like a 20-page Kegel guide. And, you know, we love on our blog to help women with that because we want it to be free. You know, I'm only, I only invented this to help women who couldn't, do it that traditional way, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so absolutely you can do it that way. I think Pilates is really good about this. If you can understand the cues and you can get to the muscles, 
But lastly, physical therapy, which I understand is expensive and not many people have access to it. But a pelvic floor specialist in physical therapy can really, that's ideal. Then you're really getting to the exercise and they're really pinpointing how to do it. I went to one. She was, I mean, she literally got in there. Good. She was like, I'm going to go ahead and stick my finger in your vagina. We're going to make sure you're doing this right. Because it's hard. Because so, so sometimes when you're doing a Kegel, you can end up, put, you can end up uh, putting pressure no. down as opposed to lifting up. That's right. You just think you're, you're like contracting that muscle. Yeah. Instead of like contract, like engaging and lifting. Sometimes people contract and it's sort of like a downward motion. So we're actually, yeah, we all do it. Yeah. Uh Yeah. It was interesting to get that like feedback. I'm so glad you went to a physical therapist for that. That is ideal. And as you know, our healthcare system, there's a few strikes against that happening for a lot of women. One is, the pelvic floor specialists are few and far between. Good news is it's the fastest growing subspecialty of pelvic floor, of, of, of physical therapy, but still there's like a very few specialists. Secondly, you know, scheduling for busy moms and working moms. And thirdly, cost. So, you know, accessibility is kind of an issue, but um, exactly what you're saying is they'll get in there and, and help you realize. And the, the idea with Kegel Bell is it could stand in for people who can't access the pelvic floor therapist, also pelvic floor therapists can recommend Kegel Bell and they do, but because you can't do that downward push because you'll expel the device. And that's, that's how it gives them that kind of biofeedback. You know, they have to do up and in or the device will come out. Mm-hmm. So it, it tries to take out all the guesswork and, and make hitting those right muscles automatic. And then also Isometric exercise, like just squeezing something, is useful. Of course, it's a healthy mode of exercise, but weight resistance is a great expediter and amplifier. So, you know, what I like about why I got involved and and left the job I enjoyed in academia was I knew that if I presented this to women, we could make sure they did kegels correctly for less time. And as a feminist, I'm like, I want to save women time because they're freaking busy and make sure they're set up for success, you know, and, and, and that's kind of what motivated me, but absolutely you can do it for free. So can you describe what the cable, so I, when I think of it, it's sort of like, you know, it's inserted, right? Like a tampon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It comes with like two major components. So. I mean, talking about just, I'm sorry, there's so many, Yeah, you want to back up before we do that? Being a being a new mom and like breastfeeding and then having like an actual bell. <laughs> like, I mean, there's, not, there's no noise. There's no, no there's noise. noise. But I was just like, you know, I felt like a cow. Is I guess yeah. I'm the, <laughs> one more thing to make me feel like a cow. Good, point. Good point. You are not Daisy the milking cow with us. Um, it's actually silent, although a lot of customers say they wish it would make noise. I think, you know, just different species of people, you know, who like. Yeah, have, no, because they would be like, yeah. like a kitten. So, you know, you're coming down the hall. <laughs> so we call it a bell because it's kind of shaped like a bell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and they stack in this kind of interesting way. But, uh, you know, the deal is. So there's these things called Kegel balls out there. And, and those are all internally held vaginal weights. And the, the, the dubious instructions that really ticked me off are... Oh, I have one. Can I show you? 
Yeah, please do. Are you wearing it right now? Are you going to show oh, us? Wow. Ding dong, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> <Ding dong. laughs> I don't know about the instructions that came with that one, but if they come with instruction at, at all, which most of them don't, they say like wear them for hours. Mm-hmm. Like really humiliating instructions, like wear them for hours when you're doing errands and chores around the house. Like that's all we do, right? Okay. When you're um, when you're peeling grapes and watching your stories, make sure you <laughs> keep your feet up and keep your bell in. So it's just really not indicative of how we live our lives, but also really bad idea to have the muscles in a constant state of contraction. Right. Okay. Like that's no good. Like you would, have you ever tried to like install a shower curtain? Yes. Arms are contracted. How, how quickly before they get really exhausted? Right. 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 Ow, ow, this hurts. That's that's what's going on if you tell someone to put a vaginal weight inside and, and carry it for hours. You're going to like cramp up. Let me see. Yeah. So this is the weight. So, the, so uh-huh. the, do I have this whole thing here? Yes. It almost looks, yeah, it's the beginning part of my device. This is, it's heavy, right? right. Like I, um, my vagina is not this strong. Sorry to tell everyone. Okay. Um, but so can you tell me the difference between something like this and what, and Absolutely. And, and thank you for giving me the chance. Cause I think a lot of people think that Kegel bell is a Kegel ball and they're like, Oh, I know what that is. And I've got one or, you know, I can, I can get one for $5 on Amazon. They think that, right. Uh, no, the resemblance is very superficial at the beginning. This kind of looks like that, but this some differences just in the starting piece that looks like a Kegel ball uh, is this is USP class six medical grade silicone. And that's like very important for like sensitivity, toxicity, irritation, that you won't have those issues, which you could with every other Kegel weight. You know, there's nuance. If you go onto Amazon, they'll say FDA materials. It's food grade FDA materials. This Mm -hmm. is surgical grade and this is FDA registered. But the customer doesn't know the difference. They read the word FDA and, you know, they think, oh, I'm safe. But this is very, very different in that respect. But also, this is just the beginning for Kegel Bell, where it's the end for the other device. Uh, this is where you start. And this weighs about an ounce. And then you start to add weight to the tail exterior to the body. And this, this does many, many things uh, that makes it more effective than what you just showed me, which is, first of all, we can start to add a lot more weight because it's not all jammed up inside the body and we can keep the insert small. So normally if you're doing a, a, a Kegel weight that's all jammed up inside the vagina, if you want to add more weight, this insert's going to start to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you're not really working out. Now it's just a cork in a bottle. You're not really doing anything, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can keep the insert slender and put the weight outside the body, now you can start to add a ton of weight, which means that you're Kegel exercising for less time, which is definitely what we want because people are busy. So those weights that you're adding, and because this is all audio, you know, I'm tr- we need a little bit of explication here, yeah. but I'm taking some photos that we can definitely post um, and obviously refer people to, to your site. But so the weights that you're adding are, everything is exterior. It hangs oh. outside the body. Yeah. So okay. imagine a little tiny egg-shaped Kegel weight. That's what you put inside you. And there's a cord a tail from that Kegel weight. And at the bottom of that tail, we suspend weights. And there's like three weights that interchange to create eight combinations. 
So basically, you're going to one ounce increments up from one ounce to eight ounces. Uh, and there's two inserts in the kit. A bigger insert for women with more laxity, maybe someone who's had a lot of children or who knows what, the body, you know, whatever it is. And then they can graduate to the smaller insert. So, and so the weight hangs outside the body. But here's this, the true genius of why this matters also is, do you see how it kind of moves a little bit? Mm-hmm. Or you can make it move a little bit more if you want to do this. Mm-hmm. That adds dynamic forces that's kind of pulling on the insert and challenging you, like being on a BOSU ball. Mm-hmm. So if you're on a BOSU bottle, they love it because you get all those little muscles by trying to balance. And so this too is hitting all the, the intricate architecture of those pelvic muscles. And you're having to reflexively hold on or it's going to come right out. Like if your body doesn't contract around it, it'll fall. And you automatically know you're doing it right. There you go. It's reflexive. Like, are you holding it in? Yes. Your body's taken over. You don't have to overthink it. Just perforce by holding it in, you've done it, quote unquote, correctly. And so that's where we tried to make sure that perfect form was like reflexive, where you didn't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is really important in that. And then also that adds like dynamic weight. So this is eight ounces dead weight. But when you move it, you have like a 2x, 3x force multiplier. And so um, the woman can really start to develop very toned and responsive muscles, which is what we're after. And so that that's the technology about why put it outside the body, but also why make it out of really good materials? Because when I was experimenting, I tried some of those other things on the market and the colors that they use to color it and the materials can be very irritating. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also you're not going to get very far because this is many times heavier than Kegel weights. And uh, a lot of people graduate outside of Kegel weights and don't know where to go. And so when I, when I, when I hear that it's really heavy for you, yes, but if, if, if it was set up properly for you, you would train through it mm-hmm. and just naturally kind of progress. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's no rate or speed that's ideal. The point is you're automatically getting stronger. Um, but yeah. So how do you actually use it? Like, how do you, how do you, how often are you using it? What are you actually yeah. doing? How long are you wearing it? Like, what else are you doing while you're wearing it? Yeah, good question. What are you from? What do you, <laughs> tell your, what do you tell your children when they walk in and say, why do you have a vagina? You know, I thought we should <laughs> issue the Kegel Bell with a door lock. <laughs> I seriously do. <laughs> because it's stunning to me how much moms struggle for privacy. Yeah. Um, Maybe you could work out a deal with like ring alarm or something and create a little chip in there. <laughs> so stunning to me that women can't get a single... F- I, we, okay, how long? Five minutes, three times a week when you're building muscle. Oh, when you want to maintain your strength, it's once a week for five minutes. That's nothing. I hope so. But I think for moms, it's still like asking a lot. Yes. So like, it's fine. Anything about privacy. Yeah, it's just like anything. Even if it's like five minutes of privacy, it's like impossible having to do with privacy. You're right, near impossible. I mean, well, I would say like, can you do this like while you're brushing your teeth and doing your like evening routine yeah. or something? Like we we uh, listen to customers and now we sell it with a shower holder because mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, that's a genius idea. Genius. <laughs> that is the most genius thing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, we listen to customers. That's all you got to do. And um. And we learned that 
a few, three things. One, when I asked, wouldn't you have a moment of privacy? It was the shower, maybe. 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 <laughs> so 50% have privacy in the shower, 50 don't even get that. Um, we know in order to do a, a new habit, look, Kegel Bell works only if you use it. So it's a very small time commitment, but even that, if you don't do it, you won't get the benefits. Okay. So we like, how do you hook what needs to become like a habit into someone's lifestyle. And the best way from reading the literature is to connect it to an already existing habit. And so (laughs) we're saying that because that's exactly what we're doing with mushrooms is like, it's the same thing. Mushrooms work if you use them, but if you don't, then you're not getting the benefit. So for us, it's like put them in your habitual product. So you're exactly. So that's why it's just resonating in in a very funny way. And that does help, right? That will definitely help me use it because I'll put it in my coffee or my drinks or my whatever. Absolutely. So right. connect it to an existing habit. And then, um, so privacy, that, and then also it's just kind of nice because you're standing while using it. So you're standing in the shower and uh, you can, you separate your legs, you know, hip distance and you put like a little washcloth down because if the device slips out, you know, it just hits the ground. You can just rinse it off right in the shower and you're off. Off you go again. Amazing. It's just a kind of a nice place to do it. The bathroom or the bedroom is also a nice place. But another thing for some people, it's not an option for everyone. And I'm going to say this to you guys, but we really don't talk about it on the website. Maybe we should. And that is, why not in the bedroom? It's like foreplay or pre-masturbation. Like Mm -hmm. you're warming up. So... For me, when I use it, it kind of gets me going and I end up masturbating. <laughs> so, right. which is healthy. Which and then need. you get more contractions. So That's right. It's so healthy and, and we yeah. definitely need it. You know, part of the concern is, and what I've been hearing from customers, women and even in their like mid-50s, if they haven't been masturbating, having intercourse or any activity down there, the tissues atrophy to the point of like fusing. Oh my God. Like literally your hole is closed. It's it closes crazy. up. It closes up. Oh and my God. It, <laughs> so serious. like a thing. It's devastating. You know, I knew about its existence, but only when I start to hear from customers and there's, it's a few, it's a minority. I don't want to overly scare people, but starting around 55 going up, some women, if they've totally ignored that part of the body, for they'll tell me, like, I haven't done anything down there in like 15 years, 10 years, right? Well, even this little modest, teeny tiny inch insert is too much. Mm. And, and so now they can rehabituate the body and we need to work with them to, to regain that. But my God, you don't, you know. So when I say... I lose it. I mean, really. It is. It is. And every public floor therapist I talk to say, that's the exact expression, use it or lose it. And, you know, even though we're really busy people, I I have to like, I'm I'm glad I have this to remind myself, I got to do it. Mm -hmm. Because if that starts happening in your mid fifties, you're living another 50 years with a lot of problems. Yeah. Yeah. And not a lot of fun. Not yeah. a lot of fun, a lot of problems, because once it fuses like that, you have very few options for Kegel exercise to help with leakage and things like that. So, okay. So my question, because that's, the, you've mentioned it again, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier. Like these are, those are both two examples of like, it's possible that you don't know until it's too late. So if you're say not in that age group or not considering yourself somebody who hasn't had a ton of activity 
in that right. area. But maybe the reality is, you know, it's different for every person. Or if you're like, you know, in my camp where I have not had children, so it's not something that's top of mind for me because I mean, I'm in my mid forties, but I don't notice any, you know, mm-hmm. glaring it's, it's symptoms or issues with incontinence or anything like that. So how do you know mm-hmm. before it's too late? Or how do you know, even if you're like approaching a point where it's too late? That's a very good point. I like that. I'm taking some notes with pens that aren't working. Um, so <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's recorded. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A few things. When do the problems start? When is it a not noticeable occult? When is it noticeable? So let me just get, rattle off some numbers and hopefully it's not too overwhelming. Okay. So the basic number is people see on the media, if they were to Google right now, how many women have bladder leakage? They would see a number that's around 30%, which is huge. It's like one out of three. That isn't even the real number. That number is generated by the question, for how many of you is bladder leakage a problem? Mm -hmm. That's a medical question. Medicine only gets involved with the problem part of the equation. If the question is, and this has been asked, do you ever leak accidentally? Then it shoots up to 66% of women. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that starts to speak to, there's a huge chunk of women who start to have symptoms and just don't see it as such. They leak a little bit when they laugh, when they cough, when they sneeze, when they jump and they think, ah, it's minor. I'll just go change my underwear. Maybe I'll wear a light liner and I'll just avoid jumping or sneezing or coughing. And so they start to ignore the signals. And so the signals may be there is what I'm saying. And we know that out of the 66% of women who have leakage, only 31% consider it a problem. And those are probably the only people who are looking for a solution, right? So I would tell women, if, you, if you're leaking at all, ever, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a sign. It's not a huge thing. You're not broken. It means your muscles are a little bit weak. If you do something like Kegel Bell, in two weeks, you're going to be fine. And then you just maintain your strength you know, for the rest of your life, but we have to exercise for the rest of our life. We have to go walk and, you know, do things to stay healthy. But, um, so I would say that about that. Uh, however, and then also one more thing about this kind of numbers oriented and statistical, it's not exact, but it may help people just remember about 20% of 20 year olds are having issues, 30% of 30 year olds, 40% of 40 year olds and so on. So we kind of add with every generation So the problems can start really early, especially with female athletes, high impact sports like basketball, tennis, volleyball, uh, triathletes, they'll have issues um, at a young age. You know, one of our customers, she's my hero. She started playing football in high school, which I totally admired. And I was not allowed to when I was in high school Uh, and she had leakage. And she suffered that her whole life. And then she started doing powerlifting competitively, but she would like explode like a shower on the platform. And, uh, and then her, her trainer gave her Kegel Bell, competed, got in second, totally dry. Wow. 400 pounds. I mean, she's a beast. She's amazing. That's an amazing story. (laughs) She she is 400 pounds or she lifted 400 pounds? She lifts. She lifted 400 pounds. She lives. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally love this woman, but she had this problem since she was a, a young, like in her, she was 12, I think she said when it started. Yeah. And wow. so now she's in her late twenties and she fixed it. So even if the problem started young and you've like thought you had to live with it, you don't necessarily. Um, so there's that piece. 
So um, I'm curious though, because so talking about this scale again, like it's basically like what one to four, one is like, like four is like when it's the worst. Oh, prolapse. Prolapse. Sorry, prolapse. Mm -hmm. So she had bladder leakage. I know there are like two different things, but they can go together. You're right. They they can go together. Like people with bladder prolapse are pretty much going to have bladder leakage. You can have bladder leakage with maybe a, a small degree of bladder prolapse and not the dramatic, like it's leaving the body. Yeah. So, so people think I'm leaking a little bit. They don't see any prolapse and they think this is normal. This is what women do. And then they just ignore it and they don't seek uh, treatment. Yeah. So I would say, you know, if you have any leakage, pay attention to that. It's a signal that you're weak. Don't freak out. Just strengthen the muscles. You'll be fine, right? This is not the end of the world. The other symptoms that people may not be looking for, and this was definitely true in my case. So I was in my mid-40s when I started making and inventing, experimenting with the prototypes of Kegel Bell. And my lubrication came back. Hmm. I had been dry starting in my 30s and had to use artificial lubricants. And I thought that was normal, like a transition, like just the thing that you do. Like hormonal. Yeah, I didn't even, you know, I didn't think that deeply about what was causing it, you know, I guess just it's a thing. I guess that's what I thought. It's a thing. Um, But once I did this, I'm like, holy smokes, no, zero negative need for lubrication. Nothing. So that was nice. And also I, I did not notice imperceptibly that the strength of my orgasm has started to decline. And when using Kegel Bell, it came back stronger than ever actually like mm-hmm. I don't ever orgasm that hard at any age so uh so I would say sometimes the symptoms are hard to see mm-hmm. um and that's why I say hey look use kegel bell as a, almost a diagnostic just to see um what the issues are for you and you know and then if it doesn't do anything for you we give you your money back and, and I kind of like that idea of like women can just test it get to know their bodies and explore and find out things about themselves. If they don't like it, we give their money back. Right. Well, that was my question is like, I mean, is there a downside to doing this if you don't technically need it? And I mean, it sounds like in some ways, you're really not going to know if you're on, if you're on the mild end of the spectrum, you're not going to know you need it until you try it. But if you don't actually need it, like what's the harm, you know, better orgasms. Right. There is no real downside. No, you're right. I, I was watching that doctor's show. I don't know. It's a show with there's some doctors. In yes, it really it's very hot. scientific and very uh, official. The hot doctor from Bachelor. Remember? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw him. Someone must have sent me the clip or something where he's like, he just wishes women did prevention as opposed mm-hmm. to after the fact. Mm-hmm. So I think this speaks to that. Like, just start doing. We all know it's muscle. We all know we need to work out. If you're going to the gym and, t- and running and walking and biking, just add it. Add it to your exercise routine. Oh, I have such a good tagline for you. What's that? <laughs> Wait, you said it's like an ounce, right? It starts with an ounce. An ounce of That's prevention? literally an ounce of prevention, yes. Ooh, 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 ooh. Writing it down with my pen. a pound of cure. <laughs> so there is that. And what's the danger? And I think we should talk about, is there any danger? Well, the simplest way to look at it is the action of using Kegel Bell is not dramatically different than intercourse. Or some some guy fingering you, you know, at a party, or I don't know, right? Like it's, it's not, guy. at a party. <laughs> it's not 
going to a bunch of parties and have I'm some- going to a party tonight. I'm going to see what's what. So I don't think people have a reason to be concerned. You know, plus like the Mayo Clinic, rep- you know, recommends vaginal weights as a method of Kegel training. So, you know, it's super safe. I think, you know, the re- we do have a little few warnings on the instruction booklet. And it's, it's not really, it's like if you have advanced prolapse, it's not going to help. Because you're past the point. Yeah. So, okay, don't bother. If you have chronic pain down there, just there's something going on. So just don't. It's not that it's going to do anything dramatic. It's just like having intercourse or something. But it's like, just don't. Basically, the warnings come from, if you've got an issue, I don't want you confusing it with Kegelbell. Right. (laughs) So stay away. (laughs) And, and, And that actually it leads me to one warning that kind of makes me sad and i hope as a society we can get beyond this but we have a warning that if you're pregnant don't use it and that's a shame because she can't hurt herself it's impossible there's no reason for her not to use it and she needs to use it but why do we say that why exactly our obgyn advisors and everyone tells us to have that disclaimer why do all products say don't use it while you're I was going to say it's just safer, right? Like in the, on the outside case that something happens that could be tied back to that, then your ass is covered. It's not even, it can be tied back to it. It's just we're a litigious society and anyone in the room, if something happens to a baby, everyone in the room gets sued. Right. We don't want to be in the room. And, and that's true for everything. And as a result, pregnant women can get access to all sorts of things that they need. And I find it, horrible. I don't want to be part of the problem, but also I can't expose myself to risk and then be out of business. And then no one gets the benefit of Kegel. Right. So I just tell women, use it before you get pregnant, use it six weeks after with the clearance from your doctor. We'll take care. We'll get it taken care of. But, you know, women are thinking about it when they're pregnant. So it's a nice time for them to start, but we say, just wait. Yeah, you know, um, I, I have a technical question on just on that note of like, can it be, can you do it wrong? Can it mm-hmm. you know, harm you in any way? And not that this can say harm you, but so as um, my physical therapist explained it to me and how everyone's like any pelvic floor kind of knowledge, like emphasizes when you're doing these exercises is like, sometimes like we talk, we always talk about it, like being so lax, mm-hmm. right? Not, not sort of like tight enough, but oftentimes it's like, so as it's been explained to me, it's about, it's not just about being strong enough or tight enough. It has to have the full range of motion. That's right. So you, you, have got to, it, Zoe. you have to You're be able to re- relax it as much as you tighten it. Just like if you, do, if you flex your arm. Yes. That muscle doesn't do anything if you're, if you're not able to fully extend it out. And then bring it back in. So if you're constantly like this and you're flexed, then that's super damaging to that muscle as well. Yes. So when I think about like a pelvic floor weight or anything that is like um, putting you in that in that state plan, of contraction, state mm-hmm. of contraction mm-hmm. is that like if you are a person? So I was told that I'm I'm like you know anal retentive, right? So I you know, and it's not for everyone who has like uh, pelvic floor issues, but in my case, it was like, oh, your muscles are actually too tight. Ah, you're hypertonic. You have, you have to relax. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, that was just the, was the most confusing thing for me to actually, like, connect and put, like, neuromuscularly. That's right. And so, 
like, I, so I'm, I'm thinking to myself like, oh, well, half the time when I'm like focusing on my pelvic floor muscle, I'm like, oh, not so intuitively. I'm trying to just like relax everything. There you go. Yeah. And so does, when you have this weight in, when you have the bell in, does that, in my case, would that be ideal? Because I'm, it would put me in that constant right. state of contraction. Yay, Zoe, for bringing that up. Thank you. And I hope everyone listened carefully to what you were saying. Okay, hypertonic pelvic floor where the muscles are overly contracted all the time, constantly in a state of engagement, let's say, kind of like someone who might always hold tension in their shoulders and constantly yeah, keeps I like grind my teeth and it's yeah. like all connected. Yeah. Okay, so yes. And, and this is why that those Kegel balls that you showed me make me super nervous. I think this, Species that you showed me may not have those instructions to wear them for hours, but tons of them do. And wearing them for hours is that dangerous thing I spoke about earlier, where you're keeping a muscle in a constant state of contraction. And it's just unhealthy, right? It's not going to kill the woman, but she's going to have issues and it's not great. And it is reversible, but don't do it. Like, so that's why I'm out to make sure that people aren't wearing kegel balls for hours for this reason, right? Because it's created a lot of women to have hypertonic muscles when they need not. And so Kegel bell instructions, that's why it's so important to me is you use it for five minutes. And during that five minutes, you're contracting, but you're relaxing for twice as long or about as long. It doesn't have to be exact, but you're relaxing and contracting. And you're going through that full range of motion. You're not just, oh, I'm going to contract all the time. It's relax, contract. Absolutely, those muscles need to relax. And that's why I really don't like the language of let's keep it tight and right. Because, you know, right. it's not just tight. It's not just tight. It's squeeze is the word they're looking for. And we just don't know because we don't have the best vocabulary around this. It's squeeze, not tightness. Um, and so how does Kegabel play into that? Well, if you're hypertonic, chances are you should go see a pelvic floor therapist who can help release it. But then when you need to build the muscle, because the muscle is not actually strong, it's just clenched. Like if I hold a lot of tension in my shoulders and neck, it's not like I have a strong neck. You know? <laughs> it's like it's just uh, aggravated in that way. So, you know, once you're released, then you could use something like Kegel Bell. But also, um, and I'm thinking about releasing this next round of instructions for this subset of people. Uh, one customer reached out to me. She did a video on YouTube. I can share it with you guys later. Um, she got Kegel Bell and she used it and she found out she was, you know, contracted like that and, and couldn't relax. So she used it to what's called down train, not up train, but down train, which is she would insert the bulb with the weight and it wouldn't bulb, you know, wouldn't budge. It wasn't going to fall out because she's constantly contracted, right? And she would try to relax. And once the ball, once the bulb would fall out, then she was relaxed. And so she used it to train her body to relax. That's interesting. That makes sense. Is yeah. that? Yeah. Is that okay. Just the inverse, the inverse motion, essentially. Um, so, okay. I know we're running out of time, but this is just fascinating. <laughs> um, so quick question. So five minutes three times a week for how long? Like you said, two weeks and you see a difference? Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, this speaks to the fact that we're not broken. There's nothing wrong with us. You could have had this problem like that one person since she was 12. Doesn't matter how long, you know, chances are you're going to be in the majority of people for whom that muscle's just weak and it'll wake up 
and activate very quickly. Uh, we lose muscle very quickly. We gain muscle very quickly. I think people think that exercise takes a long time because we confuse it with trying to lose weight, which takes a long time. But activating a muscle and toning it doesn't take long. So as shocking as it sounds, customers are pretty consistent in saying they notice a difference in like two weeks. Hmm. And in the medical literature on pelvic floor exercise mirrors that. So I read that before customers wrote me that. So I was kind of prepared, but it's still rather shocking that uh, people walk around for problems for years that yeah. could have been fixed in a fortnight. And they measure um, the difference by like, or that improvement by like, they say things like, I don't leak anymore. I have better orgasm. Like, all of it. Yeah, yeah. They'll report, the, 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 the most common things they report is leakage goes away completely. I mean, I'll hear this from women who are in their 60s for whom you think because they don't have much hormone, it'll take them longer to build muscle, right? It'll get there. It just takes them a little more effort. As you know, when when hormones drop off, we have to hit the gym a little bit more. But uh, no, it's, or they start to notice it decreasing. And then 12 weeks is kind of the thing. Two weeks, people are either absence of the problem or the problem's noticeably improving. And for some 12 weeks, it takes to like eliminate those symptoms. And for that reason, we say, try our two-week guarantee. Because if a woman doesn't, if she's honestly using it three times a week for five minutes for two weeks, and she notices no change, then she might be in an outlier case where there's something else going on. (laughs) So we're like, hey, we'll give you your money back. You're not a candidate, whatever. Go see a doctor for sure. You know, if there's something else happening. Kind of a cool thing is, once you find where you want to be, like symptom-wise or orgasm-wise, um, then you can go into maintenance mode, which roughly is about once a week for five minutes. But people find... I, know, I can shower. I basically shower once a week. So it's so convenient. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's fun, like, like I said, for, for pre-masturbation. I haven't been talking about that on the website, but I want to say here for some reason. And also foreplay. Like... I don't do that. I should. I know that my husband, when he hears the shower turn on, he'll run upstairs and want to watch. And I, I, I should like work with that more, you know. But, <laughs> but I think that if someone integrates it into a habit or have a partner remind you because they're excited about watching it, you know, as in, we think it's embarrassing or silly, but chances are your partner is going to find it really exciting. Just saying. Well, because they know what's coming next. And <laughs> it's very Pavlovian so, in that way. <laughs> um, okay, here's another question that I feel like I'm sure people who are only tangentially aware of this whole topic will will probably ask. And I know if I like go upstairs and tell my husband that we just have this conversation, he's going to be like, so is that like that weird jade egg thing that Gwyneth is like... What is the difference? Is the jade egg like the hippie cousin or is she just completely off the reservation? Oh, I'm so glad you bring up. You guys know your stuff. Yeah, um, I was aware of the jade egg and all that when I started this. And I still felt motivated enough to quit my job and invent this because I felt like that wasn't the right solution. Problems with the jade egg is it's made out of stone, of unknown quality control, porosity for cleanliness. They often drill a hole in it put a string on it, which also makes it dubiously hard to clean and all of that. And quite frankly, they're too lightweight to do much. 
And then secondly, uh, if they tell you to wear them for hours for the ma- magical properties of the quartz, you're back to that problem we spoke of, like don't don't wear these things around. But they are actually designed in this in this same vein. The principle is roughly the same. Yeah, no, yeah, I would say that's a an early version, and now we've got the advanced next generation, healthier, safer, cleaner, more effective, heavier with the smaller mass. I mean, a smaller um, amount inside you. I mean, my uh, grandma so- used to just. You know, she just used a regular old egg. <laughs> Done back to her. <laughs> chicken inside, grab an egg, shove it up. There. When the chicken comes, it's ready. You <laughs> with what you have. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's crazy how we're like all the shapes, calling Dr. Freud. I mean, it seems like most shapes are phallic or something, but you know, this, this, this looks like sperm. People say that, but then I have to remind them, you mean sperm magnified to the power of like a thousand that you see in a textbook. Sperm in real life, as we experience it, doesn't look anything like this. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh, you guys are fun. Thank you for letting me just like be myself. Oh my God. Thank you so much for being so fun (laughs) and honest. And this is fascinating. And I mean, I'm ready to, I'm ready to sign up. May I send you guys a couple? Yes, please. Oh my God, I'm happy to purchase them. I would like to support. Well, thank you, Zoe. Uh, You're hypertonic, perhaps? Yeah. Okay. So you'd be a fun case if you want to try the downtrain. Yeah, I think that's necessary. Because that was like a large part of what the PT would do when I would go and see her. It's just like, you know, stick a, insert a finger and she would literally apply pressure to the walls, go around (laughs) and she would release the muscle. Mm. Muscle and release the muscle. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we would do the exercises. And so you still need to do the exercises, yeah. even though you're hypertonic. So yeah. we'll play around with it. Like I said, I, I try to encourage people who use it, like, don't get too serious. Have fun. Because it'd be like, wait a minute, if I hold for 10 seconds and I relax for 20, I'm like, look, if you're doing it, you're going to get results. So right. don't sweat the details. Also, you can't hurt yourself. I mean, like you're saying, the worst case scenario, if your muscles are overly contracted, now you're contracting them more. It's kind of like if you have tight hamstrings and you go and do some leg curls, not going to be great, but you didn't just break your legs either. Right. And, and it sounds like you have access to a physical therapist, which is beautiful. And you can always give them a, a buzz if you feel like you have questions. But you know, basically, I wanted to make something that's at home, easy, safe for people who are busy and just you know want to try this themselves. And also, quite frankly... I, I, we didn't even touch on this during the conversation, but I wanted a conduit to reconnect the mind and body because the taboo and cultural issues that a lot of us are raised in, we disconnect from those muscles, which is a big part of why they atrophy. And so I try, women are serious and nervous sometimes and they write me and I'm like, have fun, play, explore. You're not going to hurt anything down there. You're not going to break yourself. And, and we're taught to not look, not touch. And, 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 and so my, my, my hope is we connect with that part of the body. And what I experienced after connecting with that part of the body, and this part is not scientific, although I do want to do a swagger study. And that is, you know, after I connected, because I didn't know I had symptoms, like you were saying, right? I didn't, I didn't know, uh, like Erica said, I didn't think I had any problems at 43 or 44. But once I reconnected, with that energy, it's like, oh, my swagger, my being in the world. Um, my aunties and uncles were like, Stephanie, you're getting more and more beautiful. What's going on? I'm like, I don't think that's Kegelbell, you know? Like, it's like <laughs> feminine energy. I don't know what to call it, you guys. 
You guys already have a lot of energy and confidence and swagger. I can see. I don't know that you needed it, but I definitely needed it. Oh, we could all use a little bit more. Don't even play. (laughs) So, so yeah, I think it's a big part of our bodies that society has told us to ignore. And, you know, my job right now is just to figure out how we can reconnect and get back. I guess the thing that I like to say is um, as a businesswoman, and I hear all these people saying, we need to get more women in business and more women in the boardroom. And I'm like, how are you trying to get women in the boardroom when you're ignoring the fact that they're trapped in the bathroom? <laughs> like, oh, that's a great line. Treatable moment. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of women are holding back and, and leaning back from returning to work after pregnancy. Or, you know, you can have gas leakage and fecal leakage. Are you going to be in a tiny boardroom okay. mm. with five other people if you can't control that? Yeah, no. And, and, and women just start to say, oh, I don't want to go back to work. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But if they want to go back to work, I don't want this standing in their way. You know, they want to stay home. Great. But uh, so I feel like it's a big part of making sure that women can get back to doing all the things they want to do. Because even the ones that said their leakage isn't a problem, unconsciously, they start to limit what they do and how they do it. And and that to me is not acceptable. No, should be on that trampoline. The minute you feel like jumping on it, nothing should. I have one in my bedroom right now. <laughs> love it. Well, I love that you guys have this podcast developed, I mean, devoted to wellness. And thank you for letting me talk about this one component of wellness and well being. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being so um, open and honest and candid and um, clear. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm really excited to use this. because I know, me too. I'm super excited. I've been collecting dust. All right, I'll just say. <laughs> okay, Stephanie, thank you so much. You're welcome. And I, I suggest you give those to your cat as a cat toy if you have one. Uh, Erica. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, I will get you guys some Kegel Bells or you're welcome to purchase them and then I won't send you one. But uh, And I'm definitely going to try out your stuff so we can always do a swap. Yeah, we can do a swap. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Stephanie. Okay. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.